It's the only podcast that's DualShock compatible. Welcome to the This Game Where podcast with me, Chris, and... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. DualShock compatible, does that mean that we're going to be doing a DualShock game today? We're doing a game that's on the PlayStation 1. I'm not sure if it's DualShock compatible or not. I think it ah, is. Ah, right, okay. I was thinking maybe it would be Ape Escape, because Ape Escape was the, you know, DualShock seller. It was the one. The one. Yeah, I went to yours recently. You had Apescape 3, which I didn't even know existed. Mm. I've got Apescape 1, 2, and 3. I had 1 and 2. Absolutely adored them. Fantastic games. Yep, they are. That's uh, why I've got them. (laughs) I used to play Apescape 1. I had a little portable CD player, and then I got this crappy little pair of speakers, and I used to rig up my CD player, my portable one, plug it into the wall, have the CD player trading through with little speakers, and sit and listen to um, Now compilations while playing Apescape. Oh, man. 29 now 30 something like that that sounds like the 90s yeah 90s in a nutshell how how, how did you play ape escape uh with the dual shot controller with the sound on actually i had a real issue and actually still do with playing games without their their sound and i can only do it with certain games and even then i'm like well i feel like i'm missing out so case in point tony hawks would be perfectly fine without <laughs> i was i was, I was playing face funny... there I was playing face because as soon as you started talking about that, I was thinking the exact same thing. And Tony Hawk's was the example that pops into my mind of a game that I used to play with the sound off, listen to CDs. Yeah, so I did do that. But then I felt like I was missing out because the the soundtrack on that is part of the game. Mm. So, um, yeah, even then I felt a little bit antsy. I played it hundreds of times through. And even at that point, when I was like listening to all the music, I'd be like, well, I probably shouldn't be doing this. And I'd get all weird about it and then turn my music off and put the audio back on from the game so yeah i'm a weird man i guess or i was a weird boy plus as we moved into games having you know voices and whatever it was then i i, I felt a bit the same that i was robbing the game almost that i was depriving yeah. those voice actors of all the time they put into it and uh, not listening well to it's, it was a purely selfish motivation for me i felt like i was missing out it was fear of missing out completely mm. like it yeah, was right. well if you if you're creeping through a corridor, um, are you going to hear all of the little nuances of the sound design and all that? Is there a is there a drippy tap somewhere that's integral to my enjoyment of this game? You know, right? You don't watch a film and put your music on in the background. <laughs> there you go. You, you don't do that. So why do you, why do people think? Oh, it's all right to do that with games. It, I'm not I'm not ruining the experience by doing that. It's a fair point, actually. Yeah. I suppose with something like FIFA or... I was going to say a management game like Project Hospital or Two Point Hospital or um, Theme Hospital or any other hospital game, whichever one tickles your pickle. You could probably do it with that. But even, even then, even then, my stupid brain won't let me do it. Yeah, I remember talking when we played Transport Tycoon that it was a game I used to load up and then inject the CD and put a CD in and listen to uh, yeah. while I was playing it. But actually, the Transport Tycoon soundtrack was was really nice, little um, jazzy was it WAV files, I think, that were jazzy that were yeah, really nice to listen to. Well, actually, Ape Escape Three is a good link into what we're going to be talking about this week, Ashley. Okay. Because this week we're playing this game where you play as a character named after Kurt Russell's Escape from New York character. It's a series of training levels following geometric designs. So I know, I do know this game based on the Kurt Russell reference, and I can't, I just can't remember what it is. 
If you cast your mind back only four weeks to episode 82 when we covered Metal Gear Solid, the intro yeah. blurb for that I mentioned playing as a character named after Kurt Russell's Escape from New York character. That was from Metal mm. Gear Solid. So what, what could we be doing this week? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. So this I, week, I, you don't even know. It's this week we're doing the VR missions. Oh, from Metal Gear Solid? Yeah. I've never played this. AKA the special missions, depending on where you live in the world. Yeah, I've never done it. Why are we doing this? Because they're fun. Good, clean fun. (sighs) (laughs) Just a sigh of resignation. I don't think it deserves any more, really. Does it? You you and I both agreed that Metal Gear Solid was not fun. Well, we did, but this this was part of my Metal Gear Solid experience. And it's also this is the game. This is um this is the gameplay. So we're not gonna be playing it and be influenced by codec uh, exposition every thirty seconds. We're gonna actually play the game as it was designed, which I think should be quite fun. The game as designed had codec shit all inter- in- interrupting it, so yeah, but this doesn't. I this, don't... Is, this is just pure gameplay. Right, I don't understand. I've never played these. I didn't know they existed. Really? Until now. I didn't know they existed until now. Oh, okay. So. Well, strap yourself in then. This is. I just feel game. like this is like a second go at Metal Gear Solid. We're doing well, Metal Gear Solid again. I wanted to pair this with Metal Gear Solid. I'll do it quite soon after playing Metal Gear Solid because to me, they were intrinsic. They were part and parcel together. So as I said back in episode 82 a few weeks ago, I borrow Metal Gear Solid from a friend and play it through over and over and really, really enjoyed it. And then I decided, oh, well, I liked it so much I wanted to buy it for myself. So I think it's very late, mid to late 2000, I bought a double pack that had Metal Gear Solid and the VR missions uh, together. So if you imagine, remember the uh, the PlayStation 1, the, the dual cases, yeah. it was Metal Gear Solid was in a double one of those, two, two mm. discs. And then the VR mission was also in a double case as well, even though it was only one disc. And you had these in this this package it was the two of them side by side with this really long cardboard sleeve to put them together so you're looking at it probably being what 30 centimeters long it was excessively long convoluted packaging for, for what it was <laughs> right and i looked into why this game was two discs because metal gear solid one was two discs the vr mission um um as far as i can remember was only one disc and i, I think that it only was in a two disc box just because it you could then it could then be presented nicely alongside metal gear solid yeah. So I, I'm really struggling with this because I feel like you surely should have just covered this in episode 82. No. If they're no, intrinsic to one another. They're intrinsic to me because it, it's it's the other side of the coin, but it's a whole separate game. It's just 300 VR missions covering a, a whole range of uh, of different gameplay styles. Right. Okay. So it's substantial, but it also mm. might just be like, do you remember, do you remember when like, Quite a while ago now, actually, we were talking about how often we should do, say, Sonic games. Yeah. I feel like you think you found a loophole on uh, on this Metal Gear Solid track, and you're just running with it. You're just going for it. And I, I'm not entirely impressed. <laughs> Mm-mm. No. Do you think I'm quite pleased with myself? You do seem a bit too pleased with yourself, I think. I don't think it's a lo- loophole. I think we're going to play Metal Gear Solid again and we're going to not enjoy it. Oh, well, I'm not anyway, probably. While I was waiting for you uh, to log in uh, today, I had a little razz on Metal Gear Solid because there are 10 
training VR training missions within Metal Gear Solid. And when we played it a few weeks ago, we didn't touch those at all because we just concentrated on the main game. Those 10 missions do seem to be just tutorials, essentially. So I played through the, through the first three, which were, there was one about sneaking. There was a second one that was sneaking a bit, in a bit more complicated way. And then the third one introduced you to crouching, going through tunnels to, to get past guards. Yeah. The, these 300 VR missions uh, cover four different categories. So there's a whole section of sneaking ones. There are weapon training levels. There are advanced weapon training levels. And then there are special levels. The special levels are where I remember getting the most enjoyment from because this is where Hideo Kojima's weird and wonderful imagination kind of takes over. And it's subversive in different ways. And there's sort of different takes on Metal Gear Solid as a game and that was where like I say I, I remember getting most of my enjoyment yeah for, for example within the special category there are puzzle and mystery modes and I re- remember very clearly there's one of the mystery ones is where there's a locked room and there's a soldier who is it's a bit like a, almost like a Cluedo style room it's like a, a library um, with items dotted around etc and this guard is lying on his front and it's a locked room you've got 10 minutes to solve the riddle how did he get killed okay and that sounds all right you've spent 10 minutes trying to figure out and there's loads of items there and you're sort of thinking oh what could happen what could have happened what could have happened and then there's a, there's a counter in the top corner and it counts down to 10 from 10 minutes going down to zero and once it gets to zero the soldier stands up and stretches and he was um, lying on top of a popped tomato ketchup sachet oh no that doesn't sound all right i thought it was like a little escape room thing sort and, of and the game's actually just shafting you the game's saying oh to solve this mystery and the mystery is oh that mystery doesn't actually exist it it was alive all along yeah or all of the things in this room of red herrings ha, yeah, ha, essentially. Ha. fun times nice how's that fun because it's i remember playing that with with um friends and my parents as well showing it to them and being hey look at this and trying to engage them with it and them being a bit nonplussed as well every single person i showed it to in fact being a bit uh Pretty much like you've been, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not right. I'd be far more interested, far more impressed if it had been a case of there was like a little escape room scenario in in the game. That would have been quite forward thinking, quite quite an interesting way to, to take the game. It would have been thematically appropriate. And I suppose it is thematically appropriate in some senses that... The whole thing's just a ruse to make you feel silly. Mm. Because that's Hideo Kojima in a nutshell. That's just one of those mystery levels. There are other ones. I, I seem to remember there's one where you have to, there's a soldier who's got a cold, I think, and you have to creep up to them and look at which one, look at their breath that's coming out in, in, in the, as, as steam. Well, not steam, you know what I mean? And, and from that workout, which one's got a cold or something. So it's ones where they're, they're all quite clever in different ways. And that mystery, the murder mystery one, is what springs to mind for me because I just remember it being really, interesting so would i be able to jump directly to those when we play this i think so yes and that's probably where i'm going to start off because the other ones are as i've said it's basically here are the the gameplay elements of mesco solid so 60 levels i think it is of sneaking six levels of weapon training 60 levels of weapon training but these this time stipulations such as limited ammo things like that so you want to go straight into mystery then judging from that mature noise you're making yeah there's also because all of the rest of it sounds like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, but with the fun bits of Metal Gear Solid, you see, that's the twist. There weren't any of those. That's what you're forgetting. There's also battle levels where it's you versus a load of soldiers trying to take them down. This is, again, within the, the special levels. 
Um, there's one I remember where there's a giant soldier that a bit like Safe of Marshmallow Man in Ghostbusters, and you have to either evade him or take him down or something. And there's one with some UFOs that I remember playing as well. I, I can't remember what happens with them or whatever. That sounds like it might be like the I can't remember what they was at, were actually called, but in a, uh, Arkham Asylum, like the puzzle rooms, challenge rooms, I think they were called. Oh, the the Riddler rooms was it or something like that, that no right? no not on the island itself they were a separate part of the game so you could go and you could you'd have a, a room set out and there would be all the enemies in there and your aim was to take out all the enemies without being caught oh, i don't remember it in that level of detail i i found i struggled personally with the the battle element in arkham asylum and just ended up mashing oh. the buttons so that i probably didn't look into those that much to be honest ah right okay you there was no need for you to mash any buttons so that makes me sad to hear because you're a very big fan of those yeah, games, aren't you? I, I absolutely love Arkham Asylum, but I found the battles difficult. The battles aren't the best thing about it. I think the world building is the best thing about yeah. it. Yeah, But the battles, actually progress-wise, the battles are intrinsic to the gameplay loop, aren't they? You absolutely can't avoid them. Nope. So to hear that you mashed your way through the whole thing is a bit sad. Yeah, take that, Rocksteady. I'm sorry for you. Yes, you're right. Perhaps it is like those. Um, I can't quite remember. I don't know. I'm just asking. I was just asking. The The main draw for people when this game was released, and I'll come to the release history, etc. in a few minutes, uh, was that there were a series of levels where you could play as Cyborg Ninja, a.k.a. Grey Fox from Metal Gear Solid 1. So he was a character who players really latched onto and really enjoyed fighting against him because of all his abilities. And... This, these VR missions were touted as being where you can actually play as that character. Then there was a bit of disappointment when the game was released because people were really looking forward to it so much so that it's actually his face, Cyborg Ninja's face, on the cover of this game. So Metal right. Gear Solid has Solid Snake's face. The VR missions disc has Cyborg Ninja's face on the front. And it ended up being there were just three levels where you could play as him, which out of 300 is therefore only 1% of the game. And so those three levels, uh, one of them was where you had to fight against some straw dummies and oh no (laughs) yeah it was a bit disappointing i remember really enjoying those one of those people that was like oh yeah cyborg i mean i I don't remember i don't remember cyborg ninja in the game cyborg ninja yeah sorry i remember quite enjoying those levels um personally but i can see the points that uh maybe there could be more more done with the character you know rather than just three levels out of 300 especially if they're front like putting in what front as the face of this experience and then and then they're like oi three levels yeah, oi. exactly i mean that again it kind of smacks of the same sort of ha 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 that of the ketchup packet mystery room like it all just seems was this just like one big cruel joke by hideo kojima is that what this boils down to or possibly, uh, because it was even that to even access these ninja levels, you had to complete 85% of the VR missions in order to access them. So you couldn't even get to them from the start anyway. What a joke. So that seems like a good point to jump into talking about the history of the game itself, because there's yeah. a, a fact about Cyborg Ninja there. Going back to Metal Gear Solid itself from a few weeks ago, Metal Gear Solid released in Japan in September 1998, in America, October 98, and then in Europe was February 1999. This disc came out not long after the European release in February 1999. Um, Japan, it came out in June 1999. In America, it was September 1999, and in Europe, October 1999. So lots of dates there, but basically between Europe, between Metal Gear Solid and this game coming out, that's only eight months. Not very long at all, really. 
this was only released separately in um, North America and Europe because in Japan it was released as Metal Gear Solid Integral. So Metal Gear Solid Integral was an expanded version of Metal Gear Solid full of additional content, for example, alternative outfits, a codec channel that was director's commentary, um, alternative enemy patrol routes, a third-person perspective, etc., things like this. And this was then supplied within Metal Gear Solid Integral on a third disc called the BR disc. Konami, the developers of Metal Gear Solid, then decided not to make Integral available outside Japan because the changes were minimal and or had already been included within the releases of the game in America or mm. in PAL. So they then decided they they still wanted to make this these VR missions available to people in those markets, but decided to release it as a separate disc in those territories as the VR disc. And then it then had a couple of name changes as well. So just to repeat then, in Japan, this is only available in Metal Gear Solid Integral, which is the main game plus this. This was released in North America as the VR missions disc. And then in PAL regions, it was called the special missions disc. In Europe, it also had a security measure where you had to insert one of... So if you put this game into play it, you had to then put in a Metal Gear Solid disc. You had to put the disc in to load the game, eject it, put a Metal Gear Solid disc in, eject that, then put the special missions, as it is in Europe, um, disc in afterwards in order to access the game. This then meant it was incompatible with early PlayStation 2 models because they they um, hadn't put in the hardware uh, for that change of disc. Yeah. So looping back around to our conversation about Cyborg Ninja, in Metal Gear Solid Integral in Japan, Cyborg Ninja was only available by completing a minigame on the Pocket Station peripheral. The Pocket Station was not made available outside of Japan, so they had to make it accessible through other means for these other markets. So that was when they decided to put that 85% um, stipulation in place. I don't know anything about the Pocket Station, do you? Not really, no. I vaguely recall what it looks like, but I don't really know what the point of it was. It it was sort of... um, Was it something to do with the Dreamcast and the fact that it had the little BMU. screen thing yeah that's yeah the one, the so BMU. as i was talking about that fact about the pocket station in my head as i was making these notes i was picturing the vmu from the dreamcast and it was only when reading these out that i realized oh, i'm thinking of a completely different peripheral mm. i remember there being something on final fantasy 8 i think with the chocobos to do with the pocket station mm. possibly possibly nine i don't really because i'd never had a dreamcast and from what, but from what I understand, the VMU was some kind of weird insert for the controller sim that had a screen, a little LCD yeah. screen that you could then continue aspects of some of the games that you played, like on the go, on this little LCD screen. So I imagine that they boiled down big old games into Tamagotchi style um, entertainment or um whatever and and the, the pocket station presumably tried to do the same thing so when you're talking about chocobo something or others in final fantasy 8 that makes perfect sense to me in so much as presumably you were like cleaning up poo off uh, from yeah. a chocobo there's one aspect of the game simplified and boiled down to that the only dreamcast title i can remember using the vmu because it was touted quite a lot was sonic adventure 2 i think which had the ko garden which was basically a tamagotchi within sonic adventure 2 maybe sonic adventure 1 or i i've played I, ko garden or chow garden or whatever you call it are they called chaos as, well, as in chaos yeah, I always assumed it was KO because of the plural being chaos and it linked lots of chaos animals, but I may well be wrong. I've never played Sonic Adventure 2. I've only played Sonic Adventure and didn't really get on with it that much, so I, I don't don't really know. But I, I know that whichever one it was, it had this on the VMU, it had the KO guards and, and became, as you said, a Tamagotchi. 
because yeah. at this point, you know, 98, 99, that was when they were all the rage. So I'm looking just now at the list of pocket station compatible games. It's quite long, actually. Oh, really? I am surprisingly long, yeah. I don't, it doesn't say this list doesn't have a number attached to it, but yeah, it's long enough to, to be substantial. At the same time, it's only, it still is only a, a tiny fraction of the PlayStation's overall catalogue, which was huge. So uh, there, there's that, but there, you'd have plenty of games to, to use it with. It does look as well quite diverse. So there's fighting games, there's um, Premier Manager type games, LMA Manager it is. Jade Cocoon, which is a game that I enjoy. It's a Pokemon style RPG. Uh, Jade Cocoon used it. So I presume that you were looking after your monsters on on the go. Crash Bandicoot 3 used it. Dance Dance Revolution. Quite a range of games were using it. I don't really know how you'd boil down some of them to the things that we're talking about. So maybe it was a little bit more um, wide-ranging in terms of the experiences it offered. Was the Pocket Station screen? Like, what, is it just yeah, like it's LCD. Uh, yeah, it it right, basically yeah. looks like the VMU. I, I remember the VMU. This looks like it. Right, okay. So... Obviously, it wouldn't be able to snap into the controller the way that the Dreamcast one does. I am right in thinking that that's the way the Dreamcast controller worked with the VMU, wasn't it? It like slotted in. I think so. I only played Sonic Adventure when it released on the Xbox Arcade years later, so I, I don't think I've ever actually played a Dreamcast at all. I don't. I've never played a Dreamcast either. No. Yeah, I'm just looking at the VMU now, and it does. It, it slides into the top of the Dreamcast uh, controller. So, yeah, there you go. Cool. However, I don't know what the minigame is that you have to complete in order to unlock Cyborg Ninja. No. no. Okay. I started Good. looking into it, but couldn't find any Going back to what we were it. talking about, you mean? Yeah, get it back on track. Uh, if you complete all 300 missions in the game, it unlocks concept art of Metal Gear Ray, which is a giant mech that appeared in 2001's Metal Gear Solid. So this concept art appeared, obviously, while the game was still being prepared, and it was a bit of a, a sneak peek for fans of the game that came out two years afterwards, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't think I ever did that, because some of the missions in this game were very, very challenging. You had to, you know, quite mm. tight time limits or limited ammo, things like that. So I never saw that. There was also extra content, for example, trailers of Metal Gear Solid from trade events. There was also a photo shoot mode, which I'm just going to explain to you. I'm not going to pass any judgment. I'm going to just... Oh, no, I can see where it's coming. Yeah. I can see what's coming. It's right, some so... kind of upskirt style, horrible focus on the ladies bits well, if thing, the... isn't it? If that's the conclusion you want to draw just from the name... I haven't even heard what you said. Yeah, that, I, I'm right though, aren't I? I'm not going to pass any judgment. I'm just going to explain to you what photo shoot mode is. In photo shoot mode, you control Solid Snake and there are two realistic models of... Well, realistic, quote-unquote, models of two characters in the game, both of whom happen to be female. Uh, mailing and Dr. Naomi, two characters that you communicate with on the codec. Oh, and they're the ones that game. flirt with you as well. They are, yes. In photo shoot mode, you are given five minutes to pose them in whatever way you want, and you can control their facial expressions, you control their, their mm. body pose, etc., and then take photos of them. Depending on how you've done in the main game and your save state on the memory stick um, dictates how close you are to them. 
For example, oh. if if you have a save state where you've com- you've got big boss rank, which is what you achieve by completing the game on extreme difficulty in under three hours with no continues, etc. So it's you know the the best of the best. If you have a save state that has you with big boss ranking, you are able to be very very close to the ladies as you're taking photos. Uh, but if your ranking is is less than that, then you're further away. Sadly, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to pass any further judgment or comments on that. Um, I was can... right. I, I mean, it, it speaks volumes that it only took a, a fraction of a second for me to understand what that was going to boil down to. Mm. Yeah. Final point before we stop playing the game is that the music is all different arrangements from Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, which was a game that came out on the MSX almost the second game in the series before Metal Gear Solid being the third game in the series. I got a bit confused when we did episode 82 about what that quantified. So I I looked into that a bit more uh, for this episode. So the two that came out on the MSX, which is a Microsoft console, are the official... A console or a computer? A computer, sorry. Yeah, not yeah, a computer. Okay. I was going to say. the, The ones coming to the MSX are the official first two games in the series because those are ones uh, produced by Hideo Kojima. The Mm. versions that came out on the NES were unofficial almost. They were like a side series that were done without his involvement and are therefore not not seen as being part of the main series. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that changes some things in so much as um, I've only ever played the NES version of Metal Gear. I didn't realize there was a different version. Yeah. so I haven't played the real version of Metal Gear. That might explain why I enjoyed it. <laughs> Maybe. No, not really. I can't, I can't honestly remember what I thought of the first Metal Gear. It was a long while ago that I played it. But that, that is interesting. I didn't realise that they were they were divergent. Right, that's, that's all my facts then. So shall we uh, crack on with some VR missions? Yeah. I might do something else while you do that. VR often stands for virtual reality, this time potentially very repetitive. And very rubbish. <laughs> and Perhaps. Got think of another one. That's round three. No, I can't. Can't no. bothered. Okay, can't be bothered. <laughs> Is it saturated energy yeah. that much? It's crap, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't think you're gonna come uh, that hard. Yeah. Well it I it kind of it fulfilled the the worry that I had, which was that it was just going to be Metal Gear Solid, but it fulfilled it in a different way to the way I was expecting, because this is this this would be the tutorial on most games. This is a how you use the systems, and I mean I didn't do three hundred missions, and I'm sure that some of them get interesting or better and are a bit puzzly, maybe, but just having to slog through what is, for all intents and purposes, a tutorial for a game that I don't even like. Yeah, possibly, I well, I'd hope people understand why I didn't really enjoy myself today. Just for clarity and to follow on that point then, I think I said in the first half that there were VR missions in 
Metal Gear Solid itself. And I, mm. I had tried them um, in the research for this just to see what they were like. So during playing through that, I went through the first set of VR missions, which was called Sneaking. And I played through the first six of those. And the first four of them were the same as the first four VR missions in Metal Gear Solid itself. I suspect that missions five and six would have been the same as well. But I, I just played through the first four in Metal Gear Solid itself just to kind of familiarize myself with what it was within that game. So, so I, I actually genuinely did so, play the tutorial missions for Metal yes, Gear Solid. I believe right, so, okay. yeah. Right. Right. But it's more to it than just sneaking. The weapons missions and the uh, special missions, which we couldn't get to, which was slightly No, because they were locked off. And I was more interested in those. And I'm sure that if it was, if it didn't require me to slog through the Metal Gear Solid tutorial um, to get to them, I'm sure I'd be a little bit more interested in them. Assuming that it doesn't just offer what you uh, sort of laid out in the first half, that that non-mystery mystery well there's lots of stuff to it we, we both watched the intro sequence to the game which was quite long about two or three minutes i think yeah and that showed the breadth of gameplay within the vr missions and the different challenges that are there so i think there is more to it than just that one murder mystery they, they didn't look like fun challenges though i'll Do be honest so? no not really huh. there was uh, there was something with what i assume is the stinger missile launcher where you can control the missiles and change the direction of the missiles and take them through the through mazes and things to get to various enemies that was about the height of it the pinnacle of it i didn't see anything in there that made me think oh that looks fun and interesting and exciting i like the one where there was um almost like a pyramid where you knocked off one guy by punching his lights out and then he fell down and then he hit two more who then cascaded down and cascaded down i thought that was pretty cool mm. yeah is it though <laughs> yeah why is it then okay why is it pretty cool novelty what are you getting out of it though do you just have to is it a case of like you can do that wrong and then the the, the pyramid doesn't fall i think it's i think because i quite enjoy watching domino videos on youtube maybe it's the same it's scratching that same itch that you just you see in one thing and seeing the impact of that one thing maybe that's why right. i quite like that but i just I actually don't. I don't understand the purpose of the level. Like, I genuinely don't understand the purpose of that level. Are you trying to knock them out in such a way that they fall to then drop down and hit the right guards in the right way to then cause that domino effect, or is it always just going to happen? You just punch the guards out and then they fall in the way that they were always going to fall, and that always happens. Yeah, I think it's always going to happen because the guards were stood still. Then it's on not platforms. a game. What do you mean? Then it's not a game. It's not a level, is it? It's just not a game. If if it doesn't matter what you do, if you go up to the guard, you smack him, and he falls in the same way every time to cause the same thing to happen. Well, you're not you're not achieving anything, are you? No, no, because it's it's set out for you. It's going to happen regardless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It it's a. I mean, I I want to say it's a glorified tech demo, but it's not really demoing anything. You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's akin to the dinosaur uh, that is in the PlayStation um, software. Like you go and you make the dinosaur sing to songs. Okay, fine. There's a, a limited amount of fun to having that, mm. at least for me. And if what I would be looking for in these VR missions, and from what you said, it sounds like it might deliver on some of it. But what I would be looking for is to apply the gameplay design 
of of Metal Gear Solid to some aspect to to some sort of puzzly, and I wasn't getting that in this in the levels that I played, and it from the sound of it, it sort of nods towards that and never gets there. That that mystery level, case in point, that you that you laid out the fact that you you tasked with solving this mystery, have a look around this room at all of these different clues to figure out how this guard died. That premise is fantastic. I'd have been really happy if it was a game full of little puzzle boxes like that. Um, or, or things of, of, of that kind of nature, at least. If I am just playing Metal Gear dressed up in a VR skin, plus a few non-mystery mysteries, I mean, it's, it's, it's worse. It's worse than the original premise, the original game. I think what you just said there does sum up the game quite well for me, and it's both a positive and a negative, the fact it's Metal Gear Solid in a VR skin. So I like the fact that you're going through, and it is that it's the actual gameplay without all the, the bells and whistles. It is doing Metal Gear solid things. However, there were n- numerous levels that I was going through where what I was being asked to do was very repetitive so case in point was i went into the weapons levels and i was doing one with the stinger which is the uh, rocket launcher mm. and um, each of the weapons levels has five levels you complete all five of those levels and you then unlock the chance to do them again but it's time attack and you also unlock within the specials menu you also unlock a arena where you've got a minute to take out as many targets as possible using that weapon so the way it unlocks is very incremental and we'll do about that in a few minutes but with this stinger, I had the the last level, the fifth level of um, with that weapon, I had to take out fourteen targets that were moving very very slowly. And once I'd taken out two or three, that was just it. I was just doing it over yeah. and over again, and it was so, quite slow. I mentioned a few weeks ago. It might have actually even been in the Metal Gear episode. I can't really remember where it was, but I mentioned Game Maker's Toolkit on YouTube. Yeah. And um, was, Game Maker's uh, Me- Toolkit is... It's Metroid 2. Talks about that. You're right. Yeah, it was Metroid. Game Maker's Toolkit has just started a new series all about development. They are developing a a game and then they're charting the progress that they make and the difficulties that they hit and the things that they've learned over many years of sort of ta- trying to tackle their first game development. The second episode in the series was about how previously, whenever he's tried, because he's tried several times, and this is the first time that he's sort of started getting somewhere because he's, he's learned a lot making Game Maker's Toolkit. He is talking about the way that he has tackled the beginnings of the process of designing a game. Previously, when he was a bit more novice, he would like design the UI and make these really nice animations for the characters that he was building and uh, that the animations would look great but the, then he'd get to a point where he'd have all of these amazing graphics and all these amazing animations and a great ui but, but the, not game, the game play behind but no game yeah, yeah exactly or or else the game was crap and he spent all this time invested all this time and effort and imaginative energy and creative energy into it and it wasn't any good and this time he has been talking about prototyping and how prototyping has basically allowed him to take what was a nugget of an idea and broaden it out into something that started to develop itself in a way like it his idea is this a game where the get where the character was magnetized so if he came up against magnetic 
surfaces, then he would be pre- repelled or attracted to those surfaces. And then from there, he sort of pre- he prototyped it out and he couldn't get it to work in the way that he wanted. And then he had the idea of taking the magnet out of the character and having the magnet as a separate thing that you could pick up. And then that allowed him to uh, come up with new ways to use the magnetic feature okay. to create new types of level. And the way that it sounds like his uh, his game is going to build is similar to the way that other games build in so much as you have this one idea, you have this central premise, and then you'd find unique and novel ways to use that central premise in the game and level design. And I could see quite easily how that approach could lead to 300 real solid, I mean, 300 literally real solid levels. Mm. Um, all say, say you had 20 levels per, per different novel idea. And that would be 15 novel ideas all based around this magnetic mechanic. Metal Gear Solid VR missions don't take that approach. They don't do anything novel. There's nothing novel. There's nothing here that isn't necessary. Or at least those those first two, the sneaking and the weapons missions, there's nothing there that isn't in the game, in the original mm-hmm. game. And that is a real issue to me, especially when in order to unlock what might well be the novel stuff, you presumably have to complete the the crap, the dross. All of that, if it had been in Game Maker's Toolkit's game, I can well imagine that his approach would mean that it would no longer it wouldn't be in the finished product. That would just be part of the prototyping process. Yeah. Like how how do I make sure the core mechanics work? Well, I'll make five levels for each of these uh, weapons and see. But the the five levels you said they were repetitive and boring. Hmm. And and really, what were they doing? They were just teaching you how to use the game the game's well, weapons. Oh, yeah, exactly. And the, the, the Stinger example was firing these rockets at these um, orange targets that are moving quite slowly. So I, I realised that you could hover over you, your sort of centre point. You could hover it over the floating orange targets and it would then flash red and it meant you could the missile would home in on them. Great. That's what I learned from it. I didn't then need to do it over the course of five levels to no. around 50 different UFOs in different permutations of the VR yeah. setup because... The novelty there, the fun there, presumably is that you're shooting down UFOs. Yeah, I think that was probably what the fun was supposed to be. I think But that's not fun. I think it's targets. I think the UFO level that I mentioned in the first half was a different... I think that was a level where you were on a platform and then this gigantic UFO started ascending from the ground or something like that. The game should be the th- the stuff that's locked behind the, the door. That should be the game. Everything else should have been cut. And that's my main bugbear is, is how the game is structured, forcing you to do things in order to progress. And oftentimes, as we both found out playing it today, that those things you had to do in order to progress were not very fun or yeah. not fun at all or were fun in small bursts or whatever, however you want to phrase it. I think it's probably a holdover from the fact this game is developed in 1999 that a game nowadays would not do that. You would be there you go, you've got everything you know at your disposal from the off. However, we're playing a game from 1999 and it doesn't seem like a very smart design choice. Correct. That, though, is a slightly, in, slightly separate issue to what I'm saying. There is that the whole front end of the game, the stuff that you have to do to unlock the more interesting stuff, if it is more interesting, all of that should just not be in the game. Mm. It should not be there. Or like you said, rather than having five levels where you're getting to grips with a stinger, just have one because... Have five levels where you get into grips with a stinger 
but make them all very novel. Yeah. Make, the, or or have five. five sequences of, of ten levels and have, you know, build it up, you know. So Denki Blocks, Denki Blocks starts off really simple and straightforward and you're just slotting bricks together. You're just clicking them together. And then by the end of the game, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it, doing it in so, so many different ways and with so many different challenges and being tasked to think about the same premise from so many different angles that the game doesn't ever really feel stale. It just from from level to level to level, you feel like you're being challenged in new and interesting ways. And, th- and that is a game where you stick bricks together. Mm. This here just does not have... It's the same problem I think I stated for Metal Gear Solid. It seems like Metal Gear Solid games, the people making them, have no filter. Whether it's Hideo Kojima or whether it's the team that were behind them, I don't know. But they just think that everything that they do should be in the game. Everything they make goes in the game. Well, no. <laughs> it's just the... not going to result in something good. You have to be able to cut and, and cut with cut with a reasonably good eye. I assume with this they were trying to get these 300 levels and maybe it's quantity over quality and maybe there should have been 100 yeah. levels that were more fun yeah really top I don't quality know. yeah but just having that 300 that's that's a big number and that's quite dazzling and um i suspect that's probably the reason why i, I was wondering why you're talking just then as well about the pricing of it i think i bought the two games together for i think 30 to 40 pounds so this would presumably have retailed at about 20 pounds when it came out because metal gear solid would have been a bit cheap when i got it because it'd been out for um, a year or so, 18 months perhaps at that point. It's the sort of thing nowadays, if this sort of thing came out, it would be DLC. I don't think it would be £20 worth of DLC, do you? No, it's be- it's not worth anything as far as I'm concerned. I And I don't mean that in a snotty way. I just mean this is not... This is a tutorial that they've monetized. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. The Going back to what I said in the first half about Metal Gear Solid Integral, that they developed this this extra disc of missions that then was part of the main game and then essentially thought, oh, this will presumably sell in other territories. Let's put it as a separate thing and sell it. Mm, yeah, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by the game. I'm not impressed by you. I'm not wow. impressed by any of it. So looping this back to the wider Metal Gear Solid universe, you're, you're going to hate this as well because I, I wasn't particularly keen. They integrated this into Metal Gear Solid 2. So Metal Gear Solid 2 itself, I found the plot increasingly confusing and was very confused by what was going on to really understand what's going on a lot of the time. Raiden explains in Metal Gear Solid 2, explains his training to Snake at one point of the game. And he says that his training included playing 300 VR missions. And then a flash of the Metal Gear Solid VR missions pops up on the screen at the time. So presumably Raiden, as part of his training, played this game. And it's, it's that fourth wall breaking aspect there, which I found a bit clunky in Metal Gear Solid as well. But then yeah. they're then saying that this game, Metal Gear Solid, VR missions, special missions, whatever, were then being played for a character who's then in Metal Gear Solid 2. I just don't, I don't like it. I assume that, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to, I was, I near, I made the mistake nearly of doing their work for them and and trying to come up with an explanation but it's not really uh, that would make that work it's not my job it's not my job to do that so to round the episode off there we usually talk about where the game is available from konami released the game on playstation network in 2013 they also Mm. released the metal gear solid legacy collection in the same year which includes deep breath the msx versions of metal gear 1 and metal gear 2 metal gear solid 1 this disc the vr missions 
Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, Metal Gear Solid 4, and two digital graphic novels, all in one lovely bundle. That was on PS3, so there will still be cops that knocking about. It's just whether you have the means or means. the in- inclination mm. after listening to us uh, to play it. I doubt people invest in our opinions that much to, to not play it, because we've said not to, but it is fairly easy to get hold of PlayStation 3, but I don't know about the game. You pre- you're going to be looking secondhand eBay or your local secondhand shop. I don't know... It might be on PlayStation now. Did you okay. check that? No, I didn't know. No. Okay, so there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the games that's on PlayStation now because Metal Gear Solid is popular. Fair enough. Thank you very much, Ashley, and thank you for listening. That will uh, put Metal Gear Solid VR missions out of its misery there and uh, and wrap up. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to us talk, come and join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and like, share, subscribe, rate, and review as well, please. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.